Welcome to HCWA Podcast. I'm your host, Harris Sideband, alongside my co-hosts, Aiden Yerbach, William Christie, and Cameron McLaughlin. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to be posting every single week on Mondays and Thursdays, every week at 8.30 Eastern Time. That's right. You heard it. 8.30 Eastern Time. We are from the gridiron to the field to the hardwood you know we're, we're gonna cover everything just for you right now and right here now our first topic today is the nba bubble which returned last week now since the nba bubble started we've seen players like tj warren who've averaged 39 points per game in the nba bubble players like siakam who have carried the raptors against the lakers and other teams to be one of the best teams and proven themselves in the eastern conference and see if they can return to another nba championship this year. Now, right now in the NBA bubble, the other night we saw Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns, hit a game winner against one of the favorites in the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, just now, the Phoenix Suns have beat the Indiana Pacers, who were undefeated in the NBA bubble, holding TJ Warren to only 16 points, though Malcolm Brogdon, the Pacers point guard, scored around 29. Now, we move on to injuries in the NBA bubble. LeBron James is inactive tonight. And Ben Simmons for the Philadelphia 76ers, who was replaced by Shake Philippe point guard and moved to power forward at the beginning of this bubble, is out indefinitely for the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a huge problem for the Sixers because I would say that the Sixers' offense and defense relies on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Now, I'm going to give a question to all to my co-hosts about what do you guys think about Ben Simmons being out indefinitely? Aiden? Well, I think it's a, a huge loss for the Sixers now. Um, they're already in trouble um, as losing a lot of games here in the bubble. Um, it's just, it's um, now looking at the Sixers and they're right up ahead of Dallas now. And Dallas is picking up. But uh, Ben Simmons really is a huge factor. He's the guy that's the playmaker. He's the point guard. And with him being out, that changes a whole lot. Um, like Shake Milton, uh, Joel Embiid, uh, guys like that, uh, Zaire Smith, Matisse uh, Thibault, uh, Tobias Harris. You know, Ben Simmons is a playmaker. He's the guy that can give the ball. He's the guy that can create steals, get block shots. He's the guy that can pretty much do it all, in, um, except besides his shooting now. But uh, as having Sixers with Ben Simmons out, I think that creates a lot of trouble. And they're already in the deep bubble with uh, – facing Toronto and Milwaukee and teams like that in the Eastern Conference. I don't know how the Sixers are going to pull it out. Um, it's not looking good. Maybe look at Raul Nato or Zaire Smith to fill in that point guard position. Um, but it's just not looking good for the Sixers. Uh, and before I swing it to William and Cameron, I'd like to add in that last night, the favorite in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks, led by Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton, lost to the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets without star point guard Kyrie Irving and star small forward Kevin Durant. So they were led by Timothy Luau Cabarot, excuse me if I said that wrong, with 26 points, one assist, and three rebounds. Garrett Temple, the guard, number 17, scored 19 points, four assists, and five rebounds in a span of 26 minutes. Even young point guard out of Florida, Chris Gioza, had 10 points in 10 in 31 minutes leading the 
Brooklyn Nets in minutes played. I'm going to swing it over to William, who's gonna also going to talk about the LeBron James situation and him being out tonight. Of course, it's a huge loss for the Lakers. LeBron James is an MVP candidate. He, he averages 25 points per game. He's not been having the greatest season in the bubble so far, averaging 18 points points per game. But he's only played three games, and he's played against uh, of some pretty good teams, such as the Clippers and the Raptors. LeBron, this would be a huge loss, but this is the time for Anthony Davis to step up like he already has this season. Or, and in the bubble mostly, averaging 30 points a game in the bubble. Yeah, another sleeper in this NBA bubble. Uh, no one's really been talking about it because, you know, Luka Doncic, okay? No one has been talking about Luka Doncic's performance in the bubble. In the past three games, he's averaged 28 points, 40 points, and 34 points, which is one of the best scoring averages this in this NBA bubble. You know, Luka Doncic is a player that I feel like will always reflect off of the career of Trey Young, whose Hawks did not make this NBA bubble as they were traded for each other in the draft just two years ago. Uh, Luka Doncic winning MVP over Trey Young last year, and then both being in the NBA All-Star game this year. So I'm going to ask you, Cameron, okay, will Luka Doncic in the future be the top point guard or the top player in the NBA? Luka Doncic? Yes. Well, first off, I don't think he'll be the best point guard because Luka Doncic is not a point guard. Second of all, I do think Luka Doncic has the potential to be the best player in the league. I mean, he's already showing some amazing feats when it comes to scoring. We all know he can score like crazy. And if he can just add a little bit more to his game on the defensive side, he really could, in the future, possibly be the best player in the league. And, and uh, you can know... I add to that? Yeah, you can, Aid. Um, Well, Luka Doncic, in my opinion, I think he's already going to be the best player um, already. You look at, he's averaging 29 points, top five in the league in points. He's averaging nine rebounds a game. So I don't, I don't understand what Cameron's talking about there. Excuse me, Cameron. And then he's averaging eight assists a game. For a guy that's only been in the league uh, one year and now in his second year, I think Luka is going to be a guy that's going to be a slasher, kind of like a new leg. He can also shoot the ball. He can also drive in. He can pass the ball. You know, Luka Dantich is that start. If the Mavericks want to win another championship, Luka Dantich is that spark and that light that can bring in. You know, without Luka, Kristaps Porzingis isn't playing, wouldn't be playing like he is right now. Uh, Trey Burke wouldn't be playing like that. Tim Hardaway, um, Max Kepler, all these other guys that um, are really um, improving. Without Luka Dantich, it's, you know, Luka Dantich is going to be the best. Uh, Cameron, you said Luka isn't a point guard. I would argue that Luka can play any of the top in the first three positions on offense or on, on in, in basketball, including point guard, shooting guard, small forward. You know, he stands at, um, he stands at six foot seven, 230 pounds, and can play point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. Okay, but before I see that you want to talk, but before I ask you another question, Everyone was talking about T.J. Warren being the Michael Jordan of the NBA bubble. People were making that comparison after having one of the after averaging 39 points through three games, averaging 53 points in one game. Um, Devin Booker in the past three games has been has uh, play, has had 30, 35, and 20 points per game. Tonight against the Pacers, he shot six for 12. 
though. The only thing Devin Booker has struggled with, and he struggled this against the Pacers and the Dallas Mavericks, is his three-point shooting. And we've seen in the past, he wore a three-point contest. He's mainly known for his three-point shooting. Devin Booker Devin Booker was one for five tonight, which is 20% from the three-point line, and one for four against the Maverick on the second, which is 25% from the three-point line, though he's still averaging 20-plus points per game in this NBA bubble. Now, Cameron, I just want you to know, these Phoenix Suns, pretty much need to win seven or eight of these games to go to the NBA bubble. Do you think that they will? I do not think the Suns are capable of doing that. As for Devin Booker from the three-point line, I wouldn't be too worried. That's the mark of the best players being able to turn around. Plus, as you said, he's still managing to score a lot despite hitting threes, which is another mark of great players, which is even when something is not going your way, is still finding ways to impact the game. So overall, I think Devin Booker is going to turn around. I think Devin Booker is going to find his three-point shot. I think he's doing great. As for the Phoenix Suns, they are not good enough to continue to be in this bubble in the playoffs. And uh, right, and there is a little bit of breaking news going in right now, reported first by Yahoo Sports. Uh, obviously, Shea Caldwell, the former NFL wide receiver, was shot dead just two months ago. And um, there's a mystery about this death. And a friend of a former NFL wideout recalls a FaceTime chat the two had moments before the fatal shooting. Caldwell's family still seeks answers about Rache's death. Now that's that's going to be the end of the NBA talk. I'm going to send it over to Aiden, who's going to talk to you about the NFL and the sad death of Rache Caldwell that happened just two months ago. Um, well, it's it's extremely sad and for all the NFL fans that supported him. Um, not too long ago, I think uh, the former backup for Russell Wilson actually got shot. Um, he was the former quarterback, uh, the backup, I think it was. I think his name was Tredavious Jackson or something like that. Um, and so this is just, it's really sad and disheartening to see. Um, and to all the NFL guys, I think Terrell Pryor almost died as he got stabbed. And, but uh, right now, it's it's really sad for all the people that um, he's looked up to, all the teammates. Um, the guy was spectacular. Even even a person that makes it to the NFL, um, it's just in my opinion has the talent to play football. And it's just it's really disheartening to see so many players um, passed away. Over, over the years, um, even not even just in football, uh, Kobe Bryant, Moses Malone, um, all these guys that have passed away over a couple of years, it's it's really disheartening to see. And uh, I just want you to talk about, you know, the NFL season is set to restart in just, I think, a month. I don't know the exact date, but I know it's just about a month away. And do you think the season's going to start? You know, the COVID-19 pandemic all sports shut down around the March 13th, 14th. Obviously, the NFL ended in February with the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs beating the San Francisco 49ers. And since this worldwide COVID pandemic, we've seen soccer who's handled this very well in the out of the USA um, soccer leagues. You know, they waited for the COVID pandemic to calm down. And obviously that worked because they are not having a lot of trouble there. And for here in America, the NBA stuck the the NBA stuck the bubble in the middle of Florida, which is the worst COVID state. So they out of 345 players, there are absolutely zero positive COVID-19 tests. 
Um, though with baseball, you know, the Marlins, the Phillies, all of them have struggled with the COVID pandemic. Do you think for the NFL, uh, just in general, will the NFL happen with this COVID pandemic? Um, I think the NFL is taking the most precaution out of all the sports now, you know, allowing, uh, canceling the preseason. Like I said, I think this NFL and sports, I think NFL is taking the most precaution, the most action, um, allowing players to take a test, um, opening um, t- uh, tests and uh, centers for um, players if they wanted to do so. We also look at the NFL and the players opting out. And you're starting to see a lot of players are opting out to play. Um, and so I really think um, the NFL, uh, just how, how big it is, I think they're not gonna have any problems. But if they do decide bans or anything like that, I think they might have problems now. But um, right now, I think they're in good shape. As you've seen, there's not that many COVID-19 tests that have been reported, or at least not in NFL training camp. So I really think that the NFL is taking great precaution. I think uh, um, I think they're doing the best out of other that um, are really struggling baseball. Yeah, obviously, and recently Jamal Adams, the former Jet safety, was traded to the Seattle Seahawks for multiple first-round draft picks. Uh, uh, Cameron, do you have anything to add on? Well, I don't really follow much of the Seahawks because they're obviously in the opposite conference as the Patriots, but I will say that I think the Seahawks have done a really good job rebuilding their defense. I mean, they had lost the Legion of Boom, which was their last really time their defense is really good, and now they're starting to get new pieces like Jamal Adams, and now they have some other good defenders in the team. Plus, they still managed to hold on to Russell Wilson, so I really think they may be a contender this year. Yeah, Aiden. I have one more thing to add about the Seahawks. Now, Jamal Adams, you know, that was a really good trade. I think that I think that was a really good trade out overall. You know, the Jets are done with all the heat that they're getting with Joe Douglas. And they got Bradley McDougal, who I think is a pretty good safety. I think he's a guy that can really improve. And I think with that Seahawks and uh, Ken Norton Jr. as their coach, I think he's really uh, learned a lot. They have Bobby Wagner, um, Shaquille Griffin, Shaquem Griffin, guys that can really play. And then Jamal Adams is just going to be a really good um, player on that Seahawks team. Also, KJ Wright, another guy that I really like. And I think the Seahawks are going to have a really good year. I think the, the fans not coming, I think that's going to be a really downfall to that loud stadium. But that's all I had to add. I think the Seahawks are going to do good. And the NFL Top 100 list, you know, one of the biggest lists that comes out in professional sports, came out a week and a half ago. And Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes and Michael Thomas. Um, Michael Thomas had one of the best receiving years out of any NFL wide receiver just last season. Uh, Lamar Jackson was looking like a young Michael Vick last amazingly. And um, the Baltimore Ravens obviously lost the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs. Though Lamar Jackson still winning MVP was the best in the regular season. Though Patrick Mahomes obviously came out and winning the Super Bowl winning Super Bowl MVP for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, William, do you think this list is too high? Do you think some of these players are too high, too low? Russ Wilson was obviously high. A lot of people thought that was just right. He's been one of the more balanced quarterbacks all year. And Aaron Donald, who has been 
you know, one of the top, you know, has been the top player last year and this year moved down to three. What do you think is... I think there's some flaws in it, such as Lamar Jackson. I think he's pretty good at one, but Mahomes should be two instead of Russell Wilson. Because Mahomes is an NFL... He he was the 2018 NFL or 2018-19 NFL MVP, and he was the Super Bowl MVP. Other, and I believe he should be number two, and maybe even number one. Some other flaws in it is Tom Brady at 14. He didn't have a great season last year. Over, and he got ranked over uh, quarterbacks such as Deshaun Watson at 20. So I think. There are a few flaws, but next year, they'll get it. Yeah, okay. Um, The NFL is set to restart in a month. We all hope that, you know, it's going to come back. I know all of us are big NFL fans. We really want it to come back. You know, some of our favorite teams, like mine and Aiden's, you know, the Cowboys and the Colts haven't really been the best in the past few years. They could both be dark horses going to this year's Super Bowl. The Cowboys always, uh, you know, choke. Either it's the last game of the season or going to the playoffs. Cameron, you know. And you know, now we're just going to send it over to Willie. I'm just going to talk about college football because that's also set to restart in around 25 days. And the coaches poll came out today on who is the the top 25 teams in college football. And over the past few years, we've seen teams like Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and all these other teams that are always in the top five. So, William, take this over. Every single poll that you've seen so far have had the same three teams in all different orders. This one specifically being Clemson number one, Ohio State number two, and Alabama number three, with leading up to four, four and five would be Georgia and LSU. I believe this, this is just some SEC dominance, of course, having three SEC teams in the top five. But there are some teams that, that should be ranked, ranked that. But I think this ranking was pretty good, having North Carolina at 19. Minnesota, I think, should be a little higher, being 10 and 2, almost a big 10 team. I think some teams such as Michigan are too high at 15 and UCF too high at 21. I don't think they should be a ranked team, being going, I believe, either 9 and nine and three, I believe, in the regular season last year. But I think the rankings have done pretty good. Also, I don't know, I don't understand the hype around Texas being number 14. Uh, Harris, what are your thoughts on the coaches poll? Well, you know, the coaches poll, I think Clemson is one with 64 coaches votes. And who's two? Ohio State is number two with 17 votes. Okay, so can you name me the top three? Top five. Top three. Top, it goes Clemson with 38 votes, Ohio State with 17, Alabama with four, and then Georgia and LSU. Five. Yeah, so I'm just going to go into the top three in Clemson number one. You know, that is, I think, an obvious choice to have at number one. You know, they play in the ACC. Yes, they'll be probably a top five most talented team in college football, though their regular season schedule isn't the hardest. Obviously, one of the easier schedules for one of the for the teams in the top five. And um, though always when you make it to the final four, Clemson always wants to make it. Although last year they didn't make it, or two years ago, they did not make it and lost to Alabama in the semifinal game. And they played in Alabama, then beat Georgia in the national championship. Though Clemson is the obvious answer for number one. They're going to play a non-conference schedule like every other college football team. And they're going to go undefeated and we'll see what happens. Ohio State at two arguable. They have the, in my opinion, they have the best quarterback in college football in Justin Fields. 
who is the number one recruit in the country, committed to Georgia, then transferred to Ohio State after a year after losing the job to Jake Fromm, who left this year from Georgia, and the favorite to win the Heisman this year. At number three, this is where it comes down to, you know, what's really going to happen in college football. Mac Jones in the Alabama offense. This Alabama team is going to have to rely on quarterback Mac Jones, okay? Mac Jones is a quarterback that we saw last year against Auburn. Still throw for multiple touchdowns in a good game, though did throw two pick sixes, which probably led to the win of Auburn. Though in the bowl game against Michigan, Mac Jones had an outstanding game. Mac Jones also had receivers like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith. And this year, two of those are returning, and Devontae Smith and, and um, Jalen Waddle with running back Najee Harris, a solid offensive line, a lot of recruits by Nick Saban. On the defensive side, you have Dylan Moses, Patrick Sertain to hold down that part. That's a, that, in my opinion, that is the second most talented team in college football, just behind Clemson. I think Clemson's just a little more talented on the defensive side, just not on the offensive side. I think Bama's the better offensive team than them. And um, at number four is Georgia. Georgia is one of the more inconsistent teams in college football. They are the second or third best team in the SEC every year. You know, always Bama is either one or two. Georgia's always up there. But um, Georgia is going to have to change their entire offensive gameplay with a whole brand new quarterback after Jake Fromm left Georgia this year to enter the NFL draft and now is replaced by Jamie Newman who uh, last year transferred from Wake Forest to Georgia and is uh you know he was the Birmingham Bull MVP in 2018 which is held in the field of Birmingham Alabama which Jamie Newman for Wake Forest was a good quarterback and now transferring to Georgia, not playing in, ever in the SEC. We will see if he is a top quarterback in college football. At number five, this is where a lot of people, I think, are on their toes. You know, shiver them timbers, okay? LSU is ranked number five. There's a reason behind this. Miles Brennan's a good quarterback. Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winner of last season, had the best quarterback year of all time in college football. And I will say that as a Bama fan or anything. I would just say that he had the best season. He threw for 60-plus touchdowns. He had an outstanding year going number one by the Cincinnati Bengals. That offense at Oregon changed that offense to go revolve around Joe Burrow. To change this entire offense to revolve around a whole new quarterback. Receivers like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson who left. This LSU team is going to be one of the more average LSU teams because a quarterback like Joe Burrow who did not have a good year before he won the Heisman Trophy and then came out with an outstanding year in that last season. Uh, Cameron, you haven't really talked about college football. What do you think about this coach's poll? And what are your thoughts, you know, on Bama being three, Clemson being one? I think Ohio State has a good solid spot at two. But what do you think about LSU being five? I think it's a big sleeper pick. LSU at five? Well, I will say that if you didn't pay attention to the draft, that you would say that how the heck is LSU number five? But since almost everybody on LSU seemed to get drafted last year, I think it's pretty good they went down a couple pegs. I think five might be a little harsh. I would say maybe four. I don't think they're as good as Ohio. Um, if I had to rank the teams, it'd probably be Clemson number one. I think I would have Alabama over Ohio, then Ohio would be three, and then maybe LSU four, but that would be my top four. And before I send this over to Aiden, William, I'd like I'd just like you to talk about the Florida Gators, who are always a consistent team in the SEC Conference, though they're always overlooked because of teams like LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. Where do they rank on this coach? Florida currently ranks eight on the coaches' pool. I think they could be a consistent team with a talented uh, running back and... Yeah, I forgot. 
and Kadarius Tony. Uh, but I think it's going to be a tough, a tough. It's going to be a very tall task for for all four of these SEC teams ranked in the top ten because they all play each other. LSU plays Florida, Georgia. All four, all four of these SEC teams in the top ten all play each other as Florida, with the new conference schedule, has been scheduled to play Alabama in the swamp. So I think this would be a tall task for Florida as they will have to beat LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. And even if this didn't, even if this didn't happen, it would still be very tall, a tall task because they've, they've struggled through the past few years against the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, and, you know, we have to acknowledge that Dan Mullen completely changed this entire Florida team from Jim McElwain when the team was good when he first started, though then just completely made a turn, you know, was not a good team, and then Dan Mullen came in. They've gone to a bowl game every year since Dan Mullen's been there. Obviously, Cleveland Franks went down in the middle of this season. And he went to Arkansas. Yeah, who transferred now to Arkansas because he definitely lost the job to quarterback Kyle Trask, who had a breakout year and is, in my opinion, a dark horse for this year's Heisman Trophy. Watch out for Kyle Trask. I say this. Watch out for Kyle Trask. And I mean this when I say this because watch out because Kyle Trask will be a top five quarterback in college football. Aiden, I know you want to talk about this topic. What are you going to say? Okay, um, you can call me an Oklahoma hater. I don't care. I think Oklahoma is over. I think Oklahoma is overrated. Um, they're currently ranked six, by the way. They're number six. Yeah, and, and they're number six now. And I'll tell you why. When Oklahoma, who barely made it, barely made it against Baylor, who I don't see is on that top 25 list. You know, Charlie Brewer is a good quarterback. You know, they're bringing back a lot of their... Um, starters, you know, they lost Denzel Mims. But here, I'll tell you why, Oklahoma. Sam Rattler, who's a really good quarterback in high school, pro-style QB, who doesn't like him. But he hasn't played so much. And they, and Kenny Brooks, a guy that's really good when he's healthy, you know, an offensive It's the Big 12, in my opinion. I think it's overrated when you look at Oklahoma got smashed against LSU. Smashed. And I, I'm just really annoyed. I'm also, I think North Carolina... Um, what they have done. Um, I like Mac Brown. He's a good coach. I, th- I like uh, North Carolina at 19. But I really think Oklahoma now, I think they're overrated. Um, I de- Don't get me wrong. They're definitely top 10. But as six, at number six, um, behind like, uh, um, behind Notre Dame, like with Ian uh, Book, that's definitely, um, it's definitely, in my opinion, unnecessary to have Oklahoma at six. Yeah, I completely agree with you that six is a little high for Oklahoma. You have to acknowledge that Oklahoma in the past few years has, they they are the quarterback school. And you have to say that they're the quarterback school. Baker Mayfield, who was the first pick in the draft, the Cleveland Brown just a few years ago, who went into the league behind Tyrod Taylor, then took over the job for Tyler Taylor in Cleveland, had a good rookie season, and then not having the best season of last year. Then they turned Kyler Murray, the back quarterback at Just Standing, at 5'11", who is a baseball player who was drafted in the first round of baseball, and then became the first pick in the NFL draft by the Arizona Cardinals, then winning Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. Then this year, this past season, they turned average Bama quarterback Jalen Hurts into a superstar. Into a superstar. Lincoln Riley turned him into a superstar. A Heisman. He came up number two in the Heisman poll. It's really fascinating how 
two transfer quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, all chose Oklahoma, like Texas A&M or Texas Tech. You know, it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, obviously, this is, you know, Oklahoma's a quarterback school. At this, at this at this point in time, they have the number one quarterback in the country. And Spencer Rattler, just a, just a few years ago, number one quarterback in the country. Spencer Rattler, we've all seen him. He was featured on the Elite 11 and in QB1. We've all seen him play. We've all seen his talents. We've all seen what he can do, what he's capable of, and what his, and you know, he's obviously going to be starting quarterback this year at Oklahoma. Bryce, Bryce Young, who is the number one quarterback in the country going into Alabama this season is going right behind Max Jones at, at the moment. Though Spencer Rattler is going to be a phenomenal quarterback and Lincoln Riley will change that. He will change, you know, even if he's great now, he will turn him 11 out of 10. Lincoln Riley at the moment is the third best coach in college football and is the best quarterback coach in college football. I'm going to send it over to William to talk about a little more about his topic of college football. So, of course, in college football, it's, it's going to be a rough road for a few teams for the playoffs. One who has not the roughest path is Clemson. Of course, I think they will they could have an easy schedule all the way until November when they have to play against number 10 Notre Dame on the road in South Bend. But I think Clemson can't can get that game done. They had a very legendary recruiting class this year. Uh, get it with with more five stars than the entire Big 12 got in this recruiting class. A team that I think might miss the playoffs or come close to missing the playoffs is Alabama. They have they have a very hard schedule playing against against Georgia at home, LSU on the road, Florida on the road, and Auburn at home. At home, those are those are three different top 11, four different top 11 teams. And all, and I think, I think Alabama can get it done. I think they'll go three and one, make it the make three and one, maybe even four and zero, oh. if they go four and zero, oh, and of course win the all the other games on, on their schedule. I think they'll be the number one team in the country, ranked team in the country at that point. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm gonna send it over to Cameron McLaughlin, who's going to talk about soccer. The moment soccer, you know, is the first sport to return. Cameron, you're obviously an expert on this topic of soccer. What do you think, you know, soccer? How, what do you think in this pandemic that the future of soccer is going to look like? Well, um, as we all soccer lovers know, all the leagues in Europe by now are all back. Liverpool have won the Premier League. Juventus have won the Italian League. Bayern Munich won the German League, and pretty much the moral of the story: all the leagues that usually win the league, well, except the Premier League, that's the only super super competitive one. Real Madrid won the Spanish League. There were some big transfers that happened recently, and Aiden, I'm going to come to you in a second. The first of the Chelsea transfers, the main one they had was Timur Werner, who scored almost 30 goals for RB Leipzig next last season, and now this year he's going to be playing for Chelsea along with some other players. What do you think he's going to be like next year in the Premier League? Well, I definitely think um, that it's going to be a huge boost now uh, for Chelsea. I think Chelsea is going to be a really good team and a team to watch. You know, as also they've also added Mason Mount, Reese uh, James, Timo Werner. I think uh, all these guys that Chelsea's added over the years, um, and I'm talking about right now, I think Chelsea's going to do good. Um, they're looking really, if they can stay healthy, um, I think they have a shot. Um, you know, you talk about Willian, Pedro's getting at the, um, he's pretty much getting old. 
now. Um, but I really think uh, Chile, uh, I mean, excuse me, Chelsea um, can uh, really uh, improve and really do well, as you've seen uh, with Jose Mourinho. They beat the uh, Wolverhampton uh, 2-0. And then they beat, and then they lost to Arsenal in the FA Cup. But um, I think uh, Chelsea, what they can do, um, I think Frank Lampard's a good coach. Um, I think Christian Pulisic will be good. I think uh, William will be good. And I think a lot of those guys will be good. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there, Aid, but we have breaking news in the college football world. I'm sending it over to William. He's going to tell you about this breaking news. So this is breaking news and an opting out, as two players have just opted out in a matter of minutes. It's official now. It's no longer a rumor. Gregory Rusuru from from Miami. He was the leader in tackles for loss and one, one of the top receivers in the Big Ten, Rondale Moore, along, uh, which alongside another Big Ten receiver, Rashad Bateman, and many more opt, opt out this season. Before we end this podcast, there's one more topic that I'd like to discuss with y'all. We're going to get to baseball on our podcast on Monday, though we're running out of a little bit of time here. But the topic I want to get into is the NBA draft is coming up in just a few months after this NBA bubble. And we've seen top prospects. We've seen LaMelo Ball, who didn't play one game of college basketball, but is still one of the top prospects in this year's draft. We see Anthony Edwards, who is the top prospect out of Georgia. The, be- the best prospect in college basketball that actually played college basketball going into this NBA draft. We have James Wiseman, who left Memphis in, right in the beginning of the year, trained just for this NBA draft. He's one of the more talented centers we've seen in the drafts in years. One of the sleepers that everybody talks about is Danny Avija from the Tel Aviv team in Maccabi in Israel. Looking like a Luka Dantich that plays small forward and anything else. He looks like Luka Doncic times two. Now, Aiden, you're the first person I want to talk to you about. Who do you think are the top three prospects in this year's NBA draft? Top three prospects. I think Anthony Edwards out of Georgia, no question. Obi Toppin from France or from Dayton. I love the guy. He's 6'9". The guy plays power forward. He shows his defense. He, he led the, um, I think, college basketball in rebounds and blocks. I love him. Um, and then um, at my third is LaMelo Ball, uh, who I think is going to go to the Cavs. Um, or maybe I think that could be a trade too. Um, but I really think LaMelo Ball is going to be the third best guy. But, yeah, those are my top three. Now, depending on the teams that, William, depending on the teams that are in the lottery for this year's first pick in the NBA draft, who do you think will have the first pick, and who should they take? Uh, it's it's a matter of odds. Of course, the teams with the three best odds of getting the number one pick in the lottery are the Warriors, Cavs, and Timberwolves. But I think the top three top prospects in the NBA are LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin, and James Wiseman. James Wiseman. Yes, James Wiseman. I mean, I completely agree with that topic. I think he's the third best prospect in this draft, right, uh, right below uh, Obi Topin and Danny Avija. Uh, Cameron, it all do you, depends on yeah, it does team. all depend on who, what, what team there is. Cameron, do you have anything you want to say about this topic? Um, no, man. I um, we'll talk about soccer another day. As for the topic you just discussed, I have no thoughts. Wait, hold um, on, Cameron. 
Um, do you think Jaden Sancho will go? Um, From what uh, will go to Manchester United? Well, Sancho, I think, said a couple of days ago that he would prefer to maybe go to Liverpool than Man United. However, if he's going to go to any club, it's going to be United. Because why would he go to Liverpool where he might not even start? Yeah, exactly. I mean, He's from England, I mean, he so. may start for Liverpool. He may start for Liverpool if he went there, but it's not guaranteed. Most Salah is still looking good. As for United, he'll easily replace any of their wings. Um, I mean, him and Marcus Rashford will be a deadly duo, especially with their midfield that now contains Bruno and Pogba. I think, although he may win more, much more trophies at Liverpool, his career-wise, he'd be much better off going to Manchester United. But the big question is: Is Pogba going to leave? <laughs> I- Pogba going to leave, but we'll get to that later. Harris, take it Pogba away. will leave. Now that they're good, Pogba's not going to leave. On Monday, we'll talk about baseball and the topic of the PGA Championship that is going on this season, uh, this weekend. Thank you for watching HCWA Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Harris Sideband, alongside my co-host, Aiden Yerbach, William Christie, and the Cameron McLaughlin. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>